Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You know I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Coan Grisiniers, CEO and founder of Sustainable Brands Worldwide. Today on the show... Coen and I talk about the goals for sustainable brands and their aims as an organization and all the things that they do from events to education to writing to content to research to getting companies together and hosting them um, to share practices and thoughts and thinking around sustainable businesses and sustainable brands. We also talk about the opportunities and the threats to current brands and marketers today. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Coen. Well, Koan, welcome to the show. Oh, I'm so delighted to be here. Let's start with your your background and your path, if you will, and in, in starting sustainable media, but then the sustainable brands uh, event series. Sure, uh, it's a it's a long story. I'll try to be brief. You know, generally yeah. speaking, I studied uh, a diverse set of things in college: communications and psychology music and Bible, funny set of things. Didn't really know what I wanted to do when I grew up, was really interested in advertising, tried to get a job in advertising out of college and ended up landing at a business-to-business media company where I actually worked for 18 years and uh, developed a lot of my business knowledge. Uh, The company um, that I fell in to work for was a 
third generation family owned trade media company that was operating in the natural resources markets, primarily fishing and the forestry and sawmill industry. And they were doing about 20 million in revenue and had 80 people working for them. And over the course of the time that I was there, we had the opportunity to grow the business to a billion dollars, expanded to many, many markets. And I had the opportunity to begin to explore launching various brands in various market sectors and, and really um, ultimately I, I became an, a senior vice president of the company, helped the company really think its own company brand. Uh, and so lots of experience launching brands, growing brands and uh, building teams and all, underneath all of that, really understanding the value of purpose as a driver of prof profitability. One of the things that um, I did, which is the thing that I discovered actually after I left the company, the, the founders of this family-owned business ultimately sold midway through my career there to a big British conglomerate. And as a result of that, ultimately the, the culture changed and uh, the strategy of the business changed and I opted to leave in that window of time after leaving. I you know, looked around to try and really understand what it was I knew that was helpful and one of the things that really popped out to me was that uh, this assumption that I had based on my growing up in business years that everybody understood the power of purpose to drive growth in, in business uh, was misfounded and actually that that was not a common understanding or practice. And so I, I ended up starting a management consultancy that was focused on that ambition and along the way uh, during my consulting mm -hmm. years, I landed a, a gig with a company here in Silicon Valley that had Anita Roddick, who founded The Body Shop, and Paul Hawken uh, from Smith & Hawken uh, on the board. And I think you, given your uh, degree in, in sustainable enterprise, might recognize the role that those two people played in helping us uh, understand the significant impact that business plays in a healthy unfolding or not unhealthy unfolding of our world. So they were, they were a big influence for me. And then I, and then I met Bill McDonough in 2002, right after he published cradle to cradle design. And I just had a massive aha moment that made me feel uh, just really compelled to try and um, help drive the future toward its inevitable outcome, which is, you know, either to, well, it's a, an, it, 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 uh, toward its, it's a potential healthy outcome, I would say. Right. <laughs> right. 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 Well, and, and so was it, it was the combination of, you know, meeting those folks in Silicon Valley, the notion of that book publishing, and then the work you had been doing with companies that led you to then make this more of a, uh, an event and community platform. Mm -hmm. Is that how that took place? Well, you know, the the amb my ambition from the beginning was twofold. I guess the the observation at the time was that the predominant narrative in the world uh, at the time, and this was you know in the early aughts, two thousand two uh, timeframe, was that business was the enemy of our future, and that NGOs and governments were really the ones that were going to uh, um, solve all of the mounting environmental and social problems being generated by population growth and all of the um, unintended consequences of, of uh, the growth in consumption globally. Mm. And I really believe that was a false m mental model. And I, I wanted to change that. I really believe that there are as many good people inside businesses 
as in NGOs and government, and that business as an institution is really very well suited to innovate in a changing environment. And I really wanted to change that environment, change that paradigm. I realized that there were a lot of mental model shifts that needed to happen in the business community. So I would say the conferences that we do are really a, a tool for enabling our ambition, which is to be a business transformation platform and really an economic system um, change platform. So, um, so yeah, the, uh, the, we, we have a, a theory of change model that all of our products and services really are built around, which I can speak to if you think it's helpful for people. Um, well, yeah, why don't we, why don't we actually talk a little bit about that and then, um, and then we can kind of get into the, the detail of it. Sure. I, I, th I think in general, you know, we believe that the market drivers were such that, uh, again, inevitably either we're going to deplete the resource of, of our planet and kill it and us, or we were going to find new ways to drive economic value that decoupled our uh, economic growth from the use of natural resources. But we knew that that was uh, something that, uh, you know, was only recognized by some of the technical people inside companies in mm -hmm. in the you know CSR seat or in the environmental health and safety seats and so and we realized that we were going to have to ultimately engage the business drivers in companies to help them understand how innovation for environmental and social benefit could become a primary driver for uh, you know growth and business value creation and in order to do that we need to get people aware of the issues, market drivers, and challenges that we're facing, then get them engaged with the material and and somewhat conversant or comfortable with the moving pieces, and then get them to commit to do something about it, and then ultimately to get them to co-create new ways of working and driving economic value through collaboration with peer companies as well as with other stakeholders and you know, academia and government and, uh, and NGOs and so forth. So this awareness, engagement, commitment, and co-creation theory of change is, is what's shaped our, our product strategy. And so we launched a publishing platform that was really, our ambition was to be the first place, you know, people discovered when they started to ask questions about sustainability in business. And then to, and, you know, today we have about 2 million readers every year that are reading our uh, digital publishing material. Um, and then the conferences were, are an opportunity to get people together and get them engaged in the material, get them inspired and, and equipped to start doing something more about it. And then about probably five years into our journey as an organization, as we developed more of a, a maturing community. We started a corporate member peer-to-peer -peer learning group network. And that group is a group of, made up of a group of about 80 global companies that are at the commit stage at least, and are really um, believe that there is change afoot that they need to know how to grapple with. And they are working together to, you know, with us to try and um, understand issues and opportunities and to work together at finding solutions. And uh, now we're finally, after 12 years of being incorporated in the form that we are as a company, we're finding that there's a growing group of people who are really uh, pressed and strongly motivated 
to accelerate change and are really uh, willing to step up alongside their competitors and work on co-creative initiatives to help really drive system shift. So that's uh, um, that's the the, the the crazy design construct that we're working against. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. And so you, you know, and you mentioned earlier, I, I did study sustainable enterprise about 13 years ago when I was getting my business degree. Um, and, and then I don't, I think it's safe to say there were, there were a few marketers in the room in those classes, but a lot, a lot more of the corporate social responsibility types, general managers even, um, and, and some procurement focused folks. How, how has your, you know, membership evolved? I mean, what brought me to, to sustainable brands was, was seeing CMOs, um, you know, on your speaking agenda, so to speak. Right. Well, that has been a journey with intention. You know, we decided early on that we would have the most leverage if we really targeted trying to drive system shift primarily in consumer branded Mm -hmm. companies because traditionally consumer branded companies really recognize at least to some degree the role they have in influencing the whole use of resource inside companies. I mean, we, we realize this is a culture change problem that needs to happen in parallel with an innovation effort. Uh, and so in order to, mm-hmm. but, but you're right, you know, marketers didn't have that mindset at all. And I mean, I like to say that, that Madison Avenue uh, um, and our current problems were generated as a result of unintended consequence of some real success that Madison Avenue had in the last hundred years driving productivity and I'm not productivity, but, but, uh, economic prosperity. And, and that's a good thing. uh, But uh, as a result of our, our success on driving sales and, and consumption, at the same time, our work at driving productivity through siloed-based mechanistic ways of working, we've got ourselves in this problem of the day. So for, for us, we realized we were going to have to start the conversation with those CSR people, help them understand that they could be a more strategic asset to the company, help them understand that the company could generate a lot more revenue going forward and, and business value out of um, embedding environmental and social innovation into core of the business rather than keeping it stuck in a silo on, alongside. So we've been working at that strategy for a long time. And I think we found that like you early on, we attracted because of the name of the company, interested people inside marketing who were more personally driven rather than driven by business mandate so we developed a community mm-hmm. of passionate people who really are inherently systems thinkers who really kind of got the problem and really were inspired by the promise and wanted to try and work on it over time as a community as we have worked this problem and developed a lot of maturity around how you drive success and a lot of examples of success then we've been able to drive more and more attention within the marketing community. And so today we have about 35% of our audience uh, is coming out of brand strategy, marketing communications. And our biggest partnership that we see as the most powerful uh, that that exists is in uh, handholding between the chief sustainability officers and the CMOs of the world. And we're 
just in the process of starting to cement bridges between CMOs and CSOs in some of the companies that we've been working with for quite a long time, Procter & Gamble being one example of that. So it's a really exciting moment. That's great. That's great. One of the things I have a question about, I know you're gearing up for the Detroit conference this June, um, and probably by the time this podcast launches, you will, um, you'll be past that. You'll be on to the next thing. Uh, but you host events all around the globe. Um, you talked about getting peer groups together. You got like 80 um, companies in that in that corporate partner group. What are the goals for these events and the attendees that are coming? Just curious. Specifically to inspire, engage, and equip. <laughs> um, the events are really a, a time in the calendar where, I mean, a couple things. We want to have a platform where those people who really are signed up to drive whole business transformation around innovation for sustainability can bring business functions outside um, the sustainability seat or even the brand marketing seat. So we, we now have a really lovely cross-section of business attendees. In fact, the companies that have really adopted us as a, a, a meaningful change platform are bringing sometimes 10, 20, in some cases even 50 employees from their companies to our conferences mm -hmm. to help accelerate the mental model shift inside the, their companies and give them a level language set and you know, perspective from which to think about how to drive change inside their companies more broadly. And so it's it's uh, getting them inspired, getting them getting the conversation stretched as far as it can go based on what we know needs to happen without losing the confidence of our community that we really are committed to economic success as well as change, uh, you know, systems change, uh, and then creating a platform that can be resonant for a number of different touch points in the company where people can find not only something relevant to their job and learn how their job is relevant to fielding a sustainable, sustainable brand, but also where they can be stretched to understand how what they do fits into a larger whole. Got it. Got it. Well, what do you see? I mean, you're working with all these types of companies, all this huge community of folks. Mm -hmm. What do you feel are the biggest opportunities for brands in the sustainability area? I might, uh, I might respond to that by talking about threats first. Yeah, go uh, for because, threats first. And we'll get <laughs> because I think, um, you know, it's really interesting. You mentioned Mark Pritchard, and I, uh, in talking with you earlier, mentioned that I am working with the whole C-suite at Procter & Gamble to help them along their business transformation journey. Mark actually uh, drove two things for us. Um, one is that he really spurred us to launch a new multi-brand initiative that is called Brands for Good, that is focused on bringing together a bunch of our brand community um, members together to collaborate on driving culture change. But uh, And so as part of that, he invited me to come to the ANA conference last year, American National Advertisers Conference. And, uh, yeah. You know, I went and kind of head slapped myself and asked myself why I hadn't been there before, <laughs> given, given our ambition. Um, but what I heard there was, was really eye-opening, which was that, that the brand marketing community in general is both conscious that revenue growth is stagnating at the, at 51% of the fortune 500 companies that brands are losing relevance because, uh, today's consumers are, are really looking for more uh, meaning and purpose out of the businesses that they do, you know, that they 
do business with um, and that today's mm-hmm. talent coming out of school is really not interested in marketing they kind of see marketing as the carpetbag sales job of of the you know 50s and so they're struggling with talent uh, and they're being disrupted by hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. By inherently purpose embedded brands that are direct to consumer today that are really, um, you know, uh, landing with today's consumers. So they're feeling the hurt and the answer to, you know, the opportunity is, is what we offer, which is to authentically and with, uh, with real, um, science-based technical understanding begin to go back to the you know, original roots of what marketing was, which is to find a meaningful social or, or human issue. And, and today, environmental, environmental issues are significant social and human issues. Um, but to find, you know, meaningful challenges or problems and uh, help solve them rather than manufacture, uh, manufactured problems to create new products to sell into, right? I mean, So it's, it's, it's really going back to the roots of marketing is, is the opportunity and, and in doing so to become relevant again. I've had a number of folks on the, on this program, um, from big names in the marketing world, at least. Um, so, you know, Phil Kotler, who from Kellogg wrote the first marketing management mm-hmm. textbook, um, to more recently Seth Godin, mm-hmm. who's written lots and mm-hmm. lots of books, um, for marketers and, um, The interesting theme, um, and there's been others as well, but the, these two stick out in particular, is the, this notion of, you know, one, I think um, Kotler with his um, economics training kind of sees uh, the flaws and the cracks in the capitalism mm-hmm. society of produce more, produce more, um, and, and, you know, knowing that there's there's some flaws there that need to be fixed um, and really trying to help I think managers now face that and try to figure out what to do about it. And then Seth on the other, you know, other hand is talking about doing good mm-hmm. with what you're doing um, and getting back to that. Um, and there's this notion that we've talked about on this podcast before, which is that a long time ago, if we can think of like when there weren't big companies, but there were communities being impacted by local retailers or local company, local producers, you know, if you were a scumbag, mm-hmm. people would alienate you and, and right. stop buying from exactly. you. Right. Um, and the power has shifted obviously towards the bigger and bigger conglomerates. Um, but that feedback loop of whether or not our activities are uh, you know, virtuous 
um, right. has have integrity, right? Ha- has been lost, um, right? And I think you're seeing, you know, from the discussion now that we were having about marketers coming to the table, I think there's a recognition that that feedback loop has been broken, um, yes. and that consumers are are already pushing against it. So I, I applaud. applaud well, you I right. think the I think the feedback loop had been yeah. broken, but the internet has exactly. changed that again, yeah. and the internet has been a big driver for. Uh, sort of the comeuppance of companies that have f- fallen on being lazy or taking advantage of the opportunity to uh, to, to be less than virtuous, as you right. say. Right. Right. Well, are there are there examples, you know, either companies or brands that you point to that you say they're on the right path, or you know, they're doing some interesting good things? Just curious. Oh, so many at so many levels of scale. Yes. Um, and I think that's what excites me about our community is you can drop in and just be overwhelmed in awe of the amount of innovation and exploration that's happening within our community. And it, you know, it ranges from small startups who we still find a lot of inspiration from that are creating breakthrough business models for addressing real social problems, you know, companies like Airbnb and Tom's Shoes and Grace Bakery and uh, True Colors, which is one we're showcasing this year, which is uh, a company that was founded to solve a problem around gang violence in the community that it launched in, where it's now um, attracted the leadership of three different gangs in its community to run this beer brewing business beer being just the vehicle for solving the social problem. And the result of it has been now that you have three gangs coming together, actually sharing a sense of ownership of this business and finding alternative ways to create a, a sense of meaning in place for the, you know, the people that have been part of those gangs. Grace Bakery is a company that uh, was founded on the objective of trying to find a great way for people coming out of the um, prison system to get back into society in a healthy and meaningful way. You know, Airbnb obviously has done a lot to both reduce the environmental footprint uh, that exists with having a lot of empty hotel rooms all over the world and also has done a great job of, of helping us reconnect with different cultures and begin to build empathy in, with, with people different from us in different places. I'm sure the buy one, get one model is not uh, lost on all of your people. It's kind of an old example, but, you know, they're just countless examples of new innovations, all of the shareable economy work that's going on. And then you, you know, you, you now have big global companies that are starting to experiment at a large scale with brands that traditionally haven't been, would might be seen as more challenging to find something sexy and meaningful to adopt. Um, you know, whether it's uh, Tide's experimentation with uh, driving product, productive pro- product quality and, and outcomes in cold water washing and the impact that that has on CO2 emissions uh, is a great example. Unilever's commitment to help reduce um, bacterial borne diseases through hand washing programs that uh, that tie and connect to the impact that its Lifebuoy brand can have. 
the examples are almost endless. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can see, I can see well, what advice if, if you had um, say a room full of CMOs and you know, they're new, maybe new to this, um, what advice would you give them? <laughs> Well, I'd say come check out our <laughs> come check out our conversation. <laughs> certainly, because I think uh, there'll be a lot of eye opening, and I think my ex- my experience as I um, am increasingly connected with more CMOS today is that mm-hmm. many of them have a lot of the um, kind of thought constructs rattling around in their head already. They're already kind of aware of many of the market drivers. They sense it out there or see it out there. They're feeling pressured by competition. They haven't necessarily connected the dots. And and I also have seen that the orientation can be to jump on what seems to be a trend of the moment from an old mental model standpoint and miss the important part of recognizing that in today's world with the internet, um, you know, feedback loop, as you pointed out, that you, you can't uh, jump into this space without really understanding what needs to happen under the hood to ensure your integrity. So I think realizing that brand is first who you are, what you do and how you do it, and then you know what promises you make to consumers, all those things have to stack up and, and line up in order to be believable is, is one thing. The other side of that, though, is that just like with the human relationships you have, consumers don't expect perfection out of the brands they work with. They, they expect authenticity and transparency. And I think one of the things that holds CMOs up a lot of times is they feel fearful that they don't know what they don't know. And so they either don't jump in or they, or, or they say, well, I'm going to wait until I get it 100% right, until I really talk about it or engage my, my customers and we think that's a mistake. We, we, uh, you'll hear this. Um, I think you're coming to Detroit to our conference in Detroit, I believe. I'm sure you'll hear this from many people because one of the mantras that's that's going around today in our community is "be bold, not perfect." You know, we uh, that all the the thing that's exciting that I've seen happen in the last 15 years I've been at this is that generally across the spectrum of stakeholders, including consumers. There is an in, a, a rapidly increasing awareness of, of the challenges that we're facing and the real deep need we have to move quickly to solve them. And so there's a right playing field and everybody's confused. <laughs> and it's, it's one of the things we're excited about this Brands for Good initiative that Mark has, has uh, really championed us to, to launch is that we think that one of the big problems we don't think but one of the things we've discovered in the research we've done of the general u.s population is that consumers do want a different uh, version of the good life than they were taught to to aspire to in in the last century and instead of money and status they're really looking for more balanced simplicity in their life and more meaningful connections to people and to the environment and yet they don't really know how to go about taking the steps to change their behavior and to pursue that life and they want help they they believe that that brands care about them but they don't see brands doing anything to help and when we ask them what they think brands should do they said they don't know and so that's really what's underpinning this brands for good initiative which is to say to our you know our brand leaders 
consumers are asking you for leadership now. They don't, you know, they, we need to get past this, this last 50 years mindset of waiting for consumers to tell us what to do and adopt the Steve Jobs model that says if you consumers are telling you what, you what to do, it's too late, <laughs> right? So that, that's kind of a few things in a nutshell. Right, right, right. Oh, that's great advice. That's great advice. Um, well, one of the things I love to do on this podcast is get to know the person behind the com- the conversation. And I love asking this question, which is, you know, is there an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today? You know, I think um, I'm, you know, there are, uh, there are dozens. I, I am an interesting example of another I think trend of the moment in that I didn't start sustainable brands until I was over 40. And Mm. the result of my starting this business is the result of 20 years of professional experience of various sorts and also my childhood. Um, So I I think one thing is uh, your, your life continues to inform your, your future (laughs) stages I mean, in my earlier life, I grew up in a really conservative, evangelical, Christian, um, Republican household that is really full of, of rich family values. And I moved to the Bay Area when I was right out of school, uh, where I uh, had the opportunity to be exposed to lots of other mindsets and mental models. And I have found and really believe that there are more more core principles and values that connect us across the spectrum of our regional, political, religious affiliations than people really understand today. And so, you know, one of the things that really drives me for sure is to sustainability is the fact that it is the one thing that connects us all together. And I, I feel like if we have any hope of building a, a future that um, is harmonious, it, it will be around that understanding that we all sink or swim together and that it's not us, us or them. It's we going forward uh, you know, on a planet that's got, you know, 10 billion people living on it in a finite set of resources. Um, that's beautifully said, beautifully said. Um, well, what advice were you, would you give your younger mm-hmm. self? <laughs> I love this one too, because I have two sons that are 24 and 25 and, yeah. and I'm, uh, they're, they're at that beautiful stage in life where they're beyond now the rebellious teenage years and now actually looking for comfortably looking for mentorship. So I get to ask myself that question and, and share it with my sons. Um, I think the thing I am telling them that I would have said to myself is to be bold sooner. I think a lot of times we, we have instincts about the things that we think are important in life, but we don't have confidence in, in those things until we get older and have enough validation. Uh, I wish that I had started earlier, although, I mean, I don't really, cause I have had an absolutely fantastic set of experiences in life, but that would be one thing. I wish that I was, t- I wish that I was 10 years younger now, cause I'm really excited about, you know, where we are in the world and the impact that we can have at sustainable brands. Um, so Gotcha. Well, what, what, uh, I think this might be my last question. What fuels you? What drives you? What keeps you going? Uh, creative tension. I think a lot of, a lot of people who find themselves doing things at scale are driven by the vision that they have of what the future can or needs to look like and where it is now and a sense of, uh, uh, clarity on the steps that need to take to get there. And, you know, it's Peter Senke coined the term 
creative tension that I have played around with and really resonate with a lot for the last 20 plus years. So that's, that's really it. I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about building a better world. I, I believe that it can happen. I see, I see the ways that we can get there and, uh, it's keeps me up at night. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, well, thank you so much for coming on the show and I hope, uh, listeners will check out sustainable brands, both the content as well as the events in the community. I appreciate it. And I look forward to meeting you in person in Detroit. I hope you're going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with writing and editing by Kevin Greeley, social media support by Megan Woods, art and graphic design by Sarah Dell. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners. and You can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes with links to anything we talk about on any episode. You can also search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.